educators around the world were caught flat-footed when COVID-19 forced them to close the school doors. And as they scrambled for solutions, their lack of preparation for online education became quite apparent. The immediate solution, for most at least, was to adopt tools intended for conducting business meetings. Teachers could see student faces and count heads, but the attempt to duplicate their classroom environments as a whole failed miserably. The shift to online classes was considered to be a temporary solution to close out the 2019-2020 school year during a pandemic. But schools were no better prepared when classes resumed again. Teachers may have been more adept at using the wrong tools, but the verdict from virtually everyone, students, teachers, parents, is that online education is a poor substitute for classroom education. Video collaboration tools like Zoom are simply not designed for the purpose of online education. They serve, as the name implies, to collaborate visually. And even though online education has suffered a black eye from the knee-jerk reaction by educators to find a solution during the pandemic, negative opinions that have been formed regarding online education will soon change. Remarkable things are coming to the world of online education and educators need to jump on board or face obsolescence. In this podcast, I'll provide you with just a glimpse of education in the future. We're all about to witness the emergence of fierce competition for students as online education comes of age. Welcome to Conversations with Myself. I'm your host, Barry Phillips. And today, as in every episode, I'll be interviewing myself rather than talking with someone who's vastly more knowledgeable or better informed. It's simply more fun this way. Today's podcast is sponsored by Church Doctor, Prescriptions for a Healthy Church. My hobby is making guitars, and before I begin the process of actually shaping an instrument, I visualize what my finished instrument is going to look like, how much it's going to weigh, the height, the spacing of the strings, and what tone to expect based on a variety of factors. The selection of the wood, bracing patterns, choice of tuners, strings, electronics, I build each guitar to a written specification that defines the instrument all the way down to the choice of screws and capacitors. If I change the formula by using different wood or pickups, a thicker finish or a different style of bridge, the tone is going to change. I design each instrument with the desired outcome in mind, which for me is always clear, articulate tone. I know what the finished guitar should look like and sound like before I begin. Why then do we fail to do the same thing within the church? We continue to create anemic churches that bear very little resemblance to what they are supposed to be. Church Doctor, Prescriptions for a Healthy Church, illuminates that a major problem of the contemporary institutional church is that it is built using a fatally flawed model. That's right. The reason that churches fail to mobilize committed, knowledgeable disciples who eagerly share their faith is because the church simply isn't designed to do so. Church Doctor, Prescriptions for a Healthy Church, teaches outcome-based design for churches. Rather than create a sea of superficial spectators, churches must be designed to create loving, humble, self-sacrificing servants who grow as disciples and assist others in doing so. So stop what you're doing right now, unless of course you're performing surgery and go to Amazon.com to order your copy of Church Doctor, Prescriptions for a Healthy Church. It provides a clear picture of what the church should be. If you think you understand online education, think again. 
Interactive online courses are now being developed that will soon radically alter the way we learn. My guest today is Barry Phillips, who has long advocated the use of online education. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. There's no place I'd rather be than here with you. Well, that that's creepy. <laughs> what made you so passionate about moving from the conventional classroom method of instruction to online education? I sat through the most boring high school American history class possible. The teacher made each student read paragraphs out loud for the entire class period every single day. When the text asked questions, the next person in line would read the question and answer it out loud. That was it. No additional context, no added color to make historical characters come alive or make them memorable in any way whatsoever. It was beyond boring. And I used that afternoon class each day to finish my homework for classes that I'd attended earlier in the day. Now let me paint a picture of what American history could look like online. I'll use the Civil War Battle of Gettysburg as an example. This module would begin with a brief video that recaps the ideological differences between the North and South in the Civil War. It might then highlight key battles and events along the timeline leading up to the present moment. And here's where it gets fun. An interactive map of Northern Virginia would appear that shows General Robert E. Lee leading his men into Southern Pennsylvania on the 1st of July, 1863. You would be able to zoom out to get a bird's eye view of the entire battlefield. Then you could navigate around that battlefield to see where cavalry units were positioned or where artillery was set up. But you could also zoom in and click on an individual soldier to learn his age at the time of the battle. You could discover where he was born and find out whether he died in this battle or perhaps later in the war. If you wanted, you could put on a virtual reality headset and follow any soldier you select into battle and experience the combat through his eyes. Or you could select a soldier from the opposing side and follow him into the same battle. You'd be able to search for soldiers who come from your hometown, or perhaps who share your surname and follow them through the battle, or through the entire Civil War. Well, that's certainly a tad bit better than reading out loud from a textbook. Using interactive, three-dimensional characters, the Battle of Gettysburg would come alive. You could actually be present wearing either uniform as the Confederates overwhelm Union soldiers at Chancellorsville or during the assault known as Pickett's Charge. And just like a player's remaining strength is displayed in a video game, the respective health of individual soldiers or of each army could be depicted as the battle raged. I can't imagine how costly this would be developed. How can schools afford this type of course? This single unit of instruction might cost well over a million dollars to develop, but there would be nothing quite like it. It would become the gold standard when teaching about the Battle of Gettysburg and it would be used by millions and millions of students. And Gettysburg is just one example. It would merely be a single unit of instruction in a much larger module that would teach about the U.S. Civil War. And that Civil War module would merely be a fragment of a larger U.S. history course. The coronavirus has nudged us closer to real online education, but it's just a nudge in the right direction. We're light years away from where we're headed, but the good news is that online education development is now happening at light speed. You'll see amazing new online curriculum in the very near future. Courses at every level that make you want to learn new things. At the lower levels, as children are learning to multiply and divide, they'll be able to choose their teacher from a number of animated characters. 
The instruction will use games and fun contests developed with the help of mathematicians, child psychologists, and game developers. These sophisticated online interactive courses could then be translated into any language in the world and used globally for many, many years to come. This provides monetary incentive for companies to develop those tools. Too many educators overestimate their role in the learning process. And if you're a teacher listening to this podcast, let this be your wake-up call. Your role as an instructor will soon be changed. Online courses will present what you teach in fascinating new ways, and they'll do it much better than you can on your very best day. So you will use these tools both in your classroom and remotely. Well, suggesting that teachers' roles will be diminished is kind of an overstatement, don't you think? And kind of an insult to the dedicated professionals who teach our kids. We'll still need teachers in the classroom, won't we? Well, the answer from educators is, of course, we'll always need teachers in the classroom. And that's a fact that won't ever change. And we know that students learn in very different ways. Some will require very structured classroom environments and others are gonna thrive online with very little instructor interaction. The classroom itself is changing. Instead of hiring 40,000 high school history teachers around the nation to deliver instruction inside the classroom, a fabulous online course could be facilitated nationwide by less than 8,000 history teachers. These teachers could reside anywhere in the world, and while students could be gathered together in one place, their classroom is online. Are you saying that students won't actually go to school buildings each day? Sure they will at least for a while, but I envision a shift in the location of learning over time. As students opt to study from the safety of their homes, the need for classroom space diminishes. And you won't have to sit next to that distracting, foul-smelling booger picker in order to learn. And over time, you'll see community learning centers begin to pop up to serve students who can't study from home. These centers, available within walking distance for most students, will be equipped with everything needed to study online. Computers, virtual reality headsets, headphones, microphones, and, and some of these may be privately operated like a daycare center. Others are going to be publicly provided. I noticed that textbooks were not on that list of everything needed to study. True, printed textbooks are quickly becoming obsolete. Instructors can still require the use of specific textbooks, but they'll be in the form of an ebook, not paper. And to be honest, students today already have vastly more information online available to them than is contained in any one textbook. Let me use the subject of biology as another example. With virtual reality headsets, you'll be able to observe nature like never before. You can experience life as a dragonfly hunting mosquitoes to eat while evading fish, snakes, frogs, or bees as your enemy. It would be more like a game for early elementary level classes. Or you might spend a morning beneath the ocean experiencing life as a dolphin, an eel, or a shark. Kids will be able to select anything and view them microscopically. Leaves, hair, fish scales, whatever. And in middle school, you'll be able to virtually dissect any living thing and see labels for each part as you do so. And without that horrid smell of formaldehyde or the risk of cutting yourself. Experiential learning will heighten understanding and help students find their passions. Virtual reality and augmented reality, which is a topic for another podcast, by the way, 
allows students to experience what it's like to be an astronaut, a firefighter, a fighter pilot, or a doctor. The possibilities are endless. And remarkable courses are already under development. Education companies will soon take full advantage of the incredible advancements that have taken place in gaming technology. 20 years ago, I bought a series of educational CDs targeted at elementary kids. Both of my sons couldn't wait to finish class so that they could play Jumpstart Third Grade or one of the other tools that I purchased. That's the way education should be, where we can't wait to get back to it as soon as possible. Online subscriptions for educationware are already common. Some are offered by subscription, but many are free. Most of these are purchased by parents who want to provide an advantage to their kids, but they will soon be commonplace in most schools as well. Prepare to be astounded by what's coming soon. The level of sophistication will be vastly superior to anything we've yet seen. Well, you have me excited now about the course contents, and I agree with you that the presentation of materials is going to be astounding. But don't we still require a teacher's presence throughout the day? Students, particularly younger students, lack self-discipline and they may not stay on task. We all know that students will multitask while they're taking these courses. They're gonna chat with their friends, check emails, and spend time on social media platforms as they listen to online lectures. Sure they will. They do it today in the classroom. The key is to hold them accountable for timely completion and quality of their work. I homeschooled my sons, and it used to worry my wife when she would see them playing video games for a couple hours in the middle of the day, but I didn't measure them based on attendance. I assigned work with weekly deadlines and a quality standard. If they met both of those things, they could manage their own time however they wanted during the week. But I was there for them during the day, just as teachers, even online courses, will need to be. By the time my sons got to college, they were quite capable of managing their own time without being forced to do it. And both boys excelled in college. Okay, so let's, let's talk about college. Most colleges and universities now offer an online track for most of their degree programs, and they offer them at a lower price than resident classes. To me, this creates a perception that the online classes cost less because they are not as valuable as the learning experience received on campus. So let me give you my opinion about online degree programs. And this is just an opinion, mind you. The entire college experience is now overrated, on campus and online. There was a time when a college degree guaranteed a job, but those days are gone. And the cost of attending a college or university has forced students into crushing debt. People are now questioning whether college is worth the investment. If you want to be a software developer, you can skip the four-year degree program. I worked in the software industry and can attest that your proficiency as a programmer is more important to a project team than your degree. You'll still need the education though, but that could come in the form of an inexpensive six-month software school, some development boot camps, some programming language-specific online Coursera classes, and practice. You may lack an understanding of telecommunications and networking or be a novice at designing relational databases when you finish these programs, but those things won't impact your job as a junior developer at all. If you can demonstrate proficiency with Java, JavaScript, Python, PHP, and SQL, you can easily find work without the crushing debt of a college degree. So I guess you don't view an online degree any differently than you do resident instruction on campus, do you? Well, 
If online training is cheaper and you're pursuing a degree just to check a box when seeking employment, choose the one that costs less. There are professions, however, that require formal certifications, like engineers or doctors, dentists, hairdressers even, that demand specific training, and you can't practice on patients or clients online. What are some of the qualitative differences between online courses versus face-to-face -face classes? I've sat in lecture halls where the professor rambles on for an entire class period, speaking extemporaneously about a subject that he or she knows quite well. Some of these lectures are quite impressive, but if you capture that same lecture on video and edit it to add extra illustrations, clarification, citations, and even subtitles, you've enhanced the in-person experience. And students don't need to be at the designated place at the appointed time. They can watch the enhanced lecture at their convenience, when they're rested, and when they're prepared to learn. Personally, I'd like that. I could watch it over and over again. I could take better notes. So in some respects, the online experience may actually be superior. But what about answers to questions or participating in classroom discussions? I believe those are an important part of learning. How do you build those things into an online course? Well, online courses are either synchronous or they're asynchronous. Synchronous courses start and end on the same days. There are opportunities for student-to-student -student interaction and instructor-to-student interactions. Online forums ask questions and require students to participate. Most require students to comment on at least two or three other student responses, and it cultivates discussions. Slower students or introverts who would never speak up in class have the chance to formulate their answers. They ruminate over them and even check them for spelling and grammar before submitting them to a forum. And technology offers students an option to use pseudonyms and avatars instead of revealing their identities. So online students not only have more freedom to speak, they add thoughtful dialogue to discussion forums. Asynchronous courses can be started at any time, and instructors are largely absent during the course. The criticism for this type of course is the lack of interaction with fellow students or an instructor. But with careful development, the most common questions can be answered through a common questions forum. With a little research, the course developer could easily determine the most common questions asked during each session. The answer to these questions could be provided as video responses that address a specific topic or links to articles that provide specific elaboration. Asynchronous courses typically measure student progress using automated computer-graded feedback mechanisms. For lower-level classes that require simple regurgitation of facts, an asynchronous course might work fine. But what about classes that expect higher-level evaluation, or subjects like English composition where instructor feedback is absolutely essential? Some subjects, no doubt, require instructor feedback. Social presence is required in courses like psychology or philosophy. But asynchronous development would be helpful if a course can be mastered with little instructor or social interaction, such as a world geography class. This would free up valuable time for the instructors and students for electives, classes requiring fieldwork, group assignments, career guidance, or faculty consultations. But what about the societal impact of online education? You know, it still bothers me. Wouldn't disadvantaged elementary and high school students who don't have home internet or a computer fall behind in such a system? Solutions to student access need to be provided. 
And that's not going to be easy considering that each state in the United States is responsible for educating its citizens. Some state legislators may prioritize student online access, while others may not. And some state budgets may prevent government assistance in this matter. Only 8.3% of the funding for education comes from the federal budget. So the burden to ensure that every student has equal access to a computer, the internet, virtual reality headsets, courseware, all those other things, that's going to rest on the state. The current cost per student for public schools in the United States is around $13,000 per year. So if you gave me more than a quarter million dollars to educate 20 students, I believe I could provide them with a quality education. But you won't likely see any radical changes to education by government. Governments are simply bureaucratic, and change comes very slowly. And using education funds differently may require coordination between federal, state, and local governments, and that's a whole can of worms. Good luck with that. You'll see the initial shift as parents simply opt out and decide that they're going to educate their kids through online academies. But won't they have to pay extra from their own pockets for that? Yes, they will unless a voucher system is instituted that will allow parents to decide where they want to educate their kids. And the money for the education, that $13,000 per student, will go where the student goes. Wouldn't that be the death of public education? I mean, if two-thirds of the students take the voucher and they opt out of the public schools, public schools couldn't survive. My father argued that very same thing. He said that parents who need money would accept the voucher and place their kids in whatever system can be obtained at the lowest cost, but the money wouldn't be given to the parents as cash. It would be provided only to pay for educational services. I believe that competition creates better products and services, and public schools need competition. If students could opt out and take their money elsewhere, the mediocrity we see in today's education system would vanish. And do you see this shift moving primarily to online education? Absolutely. What can be done to prepare our existing school systems and educators for the new educational paradigms that will be driven by online curriculum? Most existing faculty members are uncomfortable with virtual classrooms. They entered into the teaching profession because they love to teach and they love children. And there's also a digital divide among those who rely on blackboards and flip charts versus younger computer literate faculty members who are adept at using technology and excited about using it in the classroom. School systems need to re-educate faculty members as newer tools are introduced. Okay, well, let me ask you this about teachers unions. <laughs> do, you, do you envision them embracing these changes to include the use of online education? Or do you think that the unions will stand in the way of progress? Unions of any kind, by their very nature, are designed to take care of both union members and the union itself. And there isn't much question that teachers unions have a huge fight ahead of them as conventional classrooms move more into the digital sphere Privatized online courseware is a real threat to teachers, public school teachers, because it competes directly with what they do now in the classroom. It will be interesting to see how the role of teachers will change as modern technology offers better instructional options. And don't get me wrong, modern tools such as fabulous interactive web-based courses can coexist with current teaching methods, but educators need to embrace the best possible tools to teach our children 
rather than fighting remarkable new technological advances in education as though they're competitors. Well, Barry, I'd like to thank you once again for being such an insightful guest on today's podcast. I feel like we should have done this online instead of face-to-face. It was wonderful to have you in the studio today, and I look forward to having you back again soon. Perhaps I can come back again next week. Excellent. Write it on your calendar. Or better yet, add it to your digital calendar. And please join me with me next week on Conversations with Myself. And please like, share, then text your friends about this podcast. Then send a Valentine's card to your grandmother. She'll appreciate it. Next week's podcast will examine ways that you can escape the rat race. You may have thought about quitting your job and moving to an exotic tropical island. Well, my guest next week did exactly that. He quit his six-figure job in 1999 and moved his family to a rural coastal community in the Philippines. He'll share several strategies you might consider to escape the rat race. Some are temporary solutions, such as taking sabbaticals or extended leaves of absence. Others involve self-employment that allow you to work anywhere on the planet. And another strategy involves a change to your mental focus. Personally, I like what Barry did. So please join me for some true adventure next week. Join me as I interview myself on Conversations with Myself.